Hi, I'm Jay Frosting, and you're listening to Miss Gender, a continuously updated documentary about my close friend Ashley's perspectives on being transgender and her ups and downs as she transitions. I'm mostly here to ask the right questions and learn things as Ashley reboots her life. We welcome your questions and comments on each episode at misgender.com, on Twitter at misgender, or you can email misgenderpodcast at gmail.com. You're listening to the audio version of this episode, but we also have a video version that you can watch or subscribe to by visiting iTunes or misgender.com and finding this episode, Support Groups, which was published March 16th, 2012. Hello, Ashley. How do you do? I'm doing okay, Jay. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, faces. What's going on? Uh, I'm just kind of frustrated with the job thing, I guess. Oh, sure. I guess there was that one company that I had the two interviews with. Okay. And you figure, okay, after two interviews, you're on their short list at the least. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and then after, so the second interview was with the second of the two main guys. And I was thinking, okay, this seems like a good sign. I seem to be on their short list. And I haven't heard back from them since. It's been over two weeks now, and they said they'd, they'd get back to me in seven to ten days. Oh. Meh. In fact, I sent them a follow-up on Wednesday, not like okay. two days ago Wednesday, like ten days ago Wednesday or whatever. Mm-hmm saying all the usual stuff about, hey, I enjoyed talking with you, it'd be good to work with you and all that. Okay. So still nothing there, but, yeah. yeah. So what's been going on in your transgender brain lately? Uh, well, I've been still, I guess, thinking about my parents and sort of how they're adjusting to things. So my parents are actually on a trip to South Africa on sort of a vacation thing for about... The f- almost all of February, as I think I mentioned on a previous show, I usually talk to them every week or two, but mm-hmm. I don't expect to be talking to them as much because of the long distance and so on. But um, I'm just trying to figure out how I can talk to my parents about names and pronouns and stuff. In a different way than you already have, you mean? Well, actually, so I was talking with my psychotherapist, the one who I see for ADD. Not your gender therapist. Right, right. Not my gender therapist, right. And um, she was saying that I might be able to put it in the context of how it felt for me before I transitioned and what it would feel like for me to go back, if I were to go back to that point. Could you rephrase or elaborate? Sure. So I guess sort of the angle I've been going off of is trying to convey to my parents, for instance, that that I feel happier and more content, but they seem to be immune to that. Mm. But if I go in the opposite direction about how I felt in retrospect about being a drag and so on, that might be, that might get Mm -hmm. through to them. Hmm. Okay. But you didn't have a chance to try this before they went to Africa. Well, no, and and also, I'm trying to figure out the best time for this kind of thing. Just since I don't want it to seem like it's coming out of the blue. Hmm. Because if all of a sudden they do get it, and they say, "Well, why didn't you tell us sooner?" Or I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how many times are they, they gonna fuck up my name before I say something? Right. 
And I guess the other thing is just that typically I'll talk to either my dad or my mom on the phone. Okay. And so if I say talk to my dad about this, do I then have to talk to my mom about it at the mm. next time she calls or yeah. So assuming that you never speak to them at the same time and that they don't immediately always share information with each other, you might try to get your mom on your side as an ally first because just from what I've heard you tell me so far in the past 20 episodes or so, right. it seems like she'd be quicker to come around to your way of thinking. Maybe. I mean, my mom seems to be more emotionally driven in this regard as my dad being more... Something else driven. Both of them leads to the same end result, I guess. But, yeah. yeah. What does your brother say? Do you talk to him about how your parents aren't getting it? Yeah, I mean, I, I tell... From, from talking with my brother, Adrian, he's kind of conveyed that I should give them time, and I think that's I mean, part of it, I guess. I, I suppose that part of with, with Adrian, he being cisgender may not be able to he may not be fully aware of what's the, the frustrations are involved or whatever does that mean that you think he's suggesting you give them more time than you feel prepared to give them i think it'll, it may end up being that way but it's it's not that he's saying he that's not his conscious suggestion right he's suggesting time x which happens to be more than i'm willing to give them but he's not aware that it happens to be above them whatever yeah yeah the other thing my psychotherapist mentioned that if I tried the thing about uh, talking to them over the phone and if that was ineffective, then one thing I could try is just sending them a paper letter. I generally take pride in my writing and uh, in fact I do some freelance copy editing, so just that's sort of my mindset about things, but it, all, the, all the same, my psychotherapist mentioned that if I wanted to, I could write up the letter if I, if I got to that point, and then I could perhaps, if I had wanted, I could show it to her as far as just to read through it, make sure it wasn't too inflammatory or whatever. Just because there, there are certain ways of thing, saying things without necessarily laying blame. Oh, sure. Just to make it factual and mm -hmm. so on. A few jobs ago, I had to put a little sticky note on my monitor to remind me in all of my communications to be concise and positive and friendly. Okay. And it was the concise thing, I think, that really helped because I just reduced all of my emails to only the information that was absolutely vital to convey. Mm. You know, in full sentences with a verb and a, and a noun right. and whatnot. But, yeah. I think that made me a better employee. Right. Because I wasn't being snarky at all or even using any kind of charged language. Yeah, it's the charged language thing that sometimes that I'm, I'm most wary of, mm. just even subconsciously. Yeah, it, it takes, it took me a long time to even notice what I was doing. Right. And I think, and I think um, most of the time I'm able to avoid then my just day-to-day -day writing, but mm. if I'm going to take the trouble of sending them a paper letter, I would want to be extra sure. Sure. Now, these are the same people that received a paper letter from you in 2004 about not voting for George Bush. Yes. And one of them decided not to share it with the other one. So Right. Are you going to send two copies with different addresses? 
But see, that's where it's a rock and a hard place because hmm. it would kind of be passive aggressive to send them separate letters that had the same words in it. I suppose it would. Especially if they later compared them and they start like thinking, why would she do hmm. this or whatever? Still, uh, I don't know. That would be a way for you to adapt to previous experiences that that's just that was that was such a weird story oh the letter thing yeah in retrospect it's weirder for me because at the time i had no point of comparison i was just like mm -hmm. okay i guess parents do that <laughs> yeah i don't think they do which i mean in, in retrospect you're absolutely right of course that in most relationships marriages whatever that mm -hmm. would not be as common so yeah, yeah. So when it comes to getting support from people, you mentioned that there were group support meetings that you had with your gender therapist as opposed to the one-on-one -on -one things. Right. Or even in addition to the one-on-one -on -one meetings. Yeah, yeah. Can you give me some idea of what goes on there, obviously, without encroaching on anybody's... Confidentiality. Privacy? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah. So there's there's some women. It's, it tends to be all women in the group. Uh I mean, personally, I, I would be okay with it if there were trans men in the group, but I don't know how other people in the group feel. Okay. But uh, nonetheless, it's all women, and uh, some of them have go to the group thing in addition to one-on-one -on -one sessions with Felicia. For me, I, I uh, just stick with the group for myself. And every two weeks, and in Felicia's office, it's very... Cozy? Yeah, cozy. Sure, that works. Yeah. Okay. But yes, so there are stuffed chairs and subdued lighting and mm. sort of a coffee table in the middle with like Rice Krispie treats and little chocolate bits and uh, nice trail mix bars. And yeah. Ooh. So it's, it's a very comfy atmosphere. And we will typically go around the room and we'll, I guess, talk about sort of two things for each person. One of them being how we're feeling, what what emotion that may be, whether that's happy or sad or frustrated or optimistic. Just at that moment or in general for the last two weeks? For the last two weeks, yeah. Okay. Sure, sure. The, the second thing just being sort of an update on what's been going on since the last oh. group. Oh, okay. So you get a lot of practice doing that with oh, us. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot like the show in many ways. Yeah. I mean, Interesting. Okay. It was things like, hey, I just came out to the business analyst at work. Or right. I just came out to my boss and so on. Okay. Or I had my transition date. Things like that. So. Or I don't know how to get my parents to use the right name. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, the women there are in of varying ages uh i tend to skew on the younger side mm. uh, but the age range is probably between 30 and upper 40s i would say so okay and some of the women in fact most of the women either had been married or are currently married to their wife so indeed um Everyone in the particular group I'm in is either uh, a lesbian or bisexual. Okay. So no one's straight. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And so 
for for some of them um they're have they've come out to their life and are trying to figure out how to proceed and mm. in many cases the their wife's reaction has been something like well i don't feel attracted to women so wow we'll have to figure this out i guess yes yeah. um many of them have so those are people who aren't presenting as women yet right i happen to be the only one who's full-time i think or another maybe oh, no there's wow. one other woman who's full-time yeah okay but so we're we're at various stages of our transition i mean some of them have kids who are who are grown up and yeah sounds like it yeah uh others oh. have kids who are just in elementary school kind of thing and so mm. it's a matter of okay even if i get a divorce do i how do we handle the kids and so on oh yeah so right do people refer to it as a support group or is there some other word for it? Yeah, sure, support group or uh, or just amongst ourselves. We'll just call it group. So yeah, like I'll yeah. see a group on Saturday or whatever. So, yeah. I'm curious among the discussions that you guys have. I've never, I don't think I've ever been in a support group mm, or anything. Right. Although I'm sure I could have used one from time to time. Is it an atmosphere of always encouraging people or are there sometimes constructive criticism is it um oh you should have done it this way sort of thing or try this since that didn't work or is it always like yeah you're just do you're doing the right thing keep going uh well it's it's usually it's a positive atmosphere since we're all in the same boat at the yeah. same time for a lot of us we haven't transitioned before or i guess that would be all of us that you know so mm. we're all kind of figuring out as we go along and sometimes someone may get to a fork in the road and she may not know how do i do this or this so yeah people offer ideas like well you could try this you could try this so there there's i don't know if i'd say constructive criticism or criticism but mm. the people offer ideas like hey you could you could give this a shot or whatever yeah yeah okay but it's a very accepting environment, especially in terms of, I guess, time frames that, I mean, there's, there's no, there, there are no expectations around the so-called right duration of a transition. It's, it's all uh -huh. based on each person's circumstances. Have there been moments during your discussions there where you've felt like your situation was really fortunate in one way or another? Like, oh, thank God that didn't happen to me. Not that you would say thank God, but you know. <laughs> well, I, I thank his noodliness from time to time. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I don't know if lucky is the right word, but I'm mm. I've never been married, nor do I have children. Mm. And so, in that respect, I I certainly have other factors to deal with in my transition, but outside of work and and on as my my day-to-day -day, like weekends and such i can kind of proceed in the manner that i see fit yeah so i can go to the mall dressed as how i like and so on mm. not to oversimplify but i'm curious do you feel at this point like okay i just need to get my parents on board and get you know something with a salary where people uh, accept me for who i am and then no more worries except for saving up money for the various surgeries that you want. 
Well, that last item which you kind of just slipped in there. But in my mind, I was using capital letters. Okay, all right. Because it's going to be like, I don't know, forty, fifty thousand dollars Depend. Well, that's... Oh, God. I'm just... Well. I mean, that's for the surgeries, plus there's like the, the flights to wherever city the surgeon's in and hotel stays mm-hmm. and... Yeah. God, anyway, but yeah. So, yeah, in, in, in my case, I mean, I am full-time and... Yeah, it's a matter of finding a job where that works out. And I'm actually, I'm I'm overall optimistic about the job thing, at least in terms of being trans. That I don't think that I'm being trans is going to hold me back too much. I mean, mm-hmm. it may be the economy that holds me back. It just depends on how soon that gets back on track. But yeah. I don't necessarily think that being trans will, will get in the way. Can you tell me a little bit about the first time you went to the support group and if you were nervous about meeting new people and how they made you feel and what you were encouraged to share or maybe hold back? Oh, sure. Yeah. So the first time I went, I guess I was uh, not not terribly nervous, but I didn't really know entirely what to expect. I mean, I knew there'd be five or six other women there, but I didn't Mm -hmm. know how old they would be or how young they would be. I didn't know at what stage in their transition they would be. And so in that respect, I wasn't sure if I would necessarily be able to relate to them. Just since uh, if they had all been, quote unquote, finished with their transition, then there there wouldn't be as much in common. Or if they were all much earlier in their transition than me. Mm-hmm. But it's sometimes that they're about at the same point. And... Uh, and I guess during that, that first group session, I, I sort of gave a summary of how things have been going in my life since it wasn't just what's been going in the last two weeks, but mm-hmm. since before I'd been to group. So that was sort of that. And I'd also just talked a bit about sort of my background and, and those kinds of things. Did you just say, hey, go to misgender.com and spend 12 hours watching my updates? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've been actually going to group since... Uh, December 2010. Oh, okay. So it preceded our show. But I I have told the group about uh, the, our podcast and some of them yeah. have watched it. Okay. And uh, they seemed to think it was a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. There's another woman there, Jolie. She has uh a youtube channel where she posts little videos webcam mm. updates that kind of thing neat and i think yeah sure sure speaking of youtube it's not just people in meat space that that you've uh gotten in contact with and built it, uh, yeah. around you as a sort of support team can you tell me about some of the people you've only known online so far and um how they fit into your transition and your your daily brain activity? Yeah, so it really kind of impressed me just how great the online trans community is and supportive that as far as people that follow me on Twitter, for instance, and yeah. can these are people that I've just never met. Some of them that I don't even know what they look like. They just have sort of avatars that, well, I mean, like my avatar are oh, good point. maybe illustrations or I mean, one person's avatar is a hat. 
but it's a fedora. On the other hand, you do link to the website where there's hours of video of yourself. So, right, yeah. If they wanted to click through to that, they could see you. So, so like for instance, there's a uh, Nikki Gordon Bloomfield. There's uh, Oliver Hyde. There's Samson. There's uh, Gray Leedy. Uh, and are these people that just seem to out of nowhere start following you on Twitter? Yeah. Or is there is there like a a meeting place? Is there a website for people who are trans women and find each other that way? Well, I guess some of it is is sort of the trans grapevine or whatever that maybe. So, so suppose I have a tweet about whatever, and if I'm maybe following some trans people that I've met online and maybe just for me following them, they follow me back. And then okay. if I tweet something that they like, then maybe they retweet my thing. And then a few other people hear about it. Okay. Or people may hear Is about it... it from the show mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing. And so it's actually, do been you really... actually find things because people you're following retweet other people? Or are you actually using the Twitter search function for certain keywords and checking those on a regular basis? It's actually one of those useful things for hashtags, rather than not and not just snarkiness and, and st stupid shit like that. Uh huh. That uh, every Sunday, I think it's from three to five Eastern time. And alternating weeks, there's hashtag queer chat, and then oh. on the other week is trans chat. Oh. And I forget who organizes it, but uh, they will usually come up with sort of a starter question, and then people can answer that. And then as long as you do have a running search for that hashtag, you can it's like IRC. So, yeah, you can cool. follow along with discussion and and what app are you using to that auto refreshes the hashtag? I'm using uh Twitterific. Okay. Yeah. Might have to give that a try. So, what sort of communications do you get with the people that have connected with you on Twitter? Uh, well, things like I may post about how things are going with my parents or not going as the case might be. And they may say like, Oh, Hey, keep it up, girl. You can, you can do this, you know, kind of encouragement. Uh, there are things like I'm asking about girl clothes and they're kind of helping me figure things out there. I've seen you ask some very specific questions including pictures. Sometimes does this belt go with this skirt or whatever? Yeah. Totally, yeah. Um, if you'll say, yeah, sure, that works, or that doesn't quite work, or that belt works, but I don't know about those socks. How do you determine whether the answers you're getting are worth paying attention to? Right. So I'm, some of that is inference, and some of that's a history, I guess, that if it's just thrown out of the blue, well, then it's it's kind of hard to tell, maybe, but... If it's someone who's given a lot of answers in the past, who have who've had good answers, and that helps. Okay. But if it's someone who I don't know as well, then sometimes I'll base it off of, do they offer citations, or mm -hmm. maybe uh, a link to another picture of an example of here's how this could work, mm. or just do they know how to write well? Okay. <laughs> because... I mean, I, I I kid you not that someone who, for instance, knows how to wield a semicolon, I, I put a certain amount of trust in that. All right. Yeah. But the language part of the brain and the fashion part of the brain are probably separated by a few inches. I have no idea. This, this may be just totally wrong on my part, but yeah. 
I don't know either. Yeah. Um, but as long as you end up happy with the way you look, then you're doing yeah. the right thing. And I think I think some of it also is just if people reply saying, "Hey, I think that is a good idea, and here's why." That's one thing, as opposed to simply, yeah. "Yes, that's good," or "No, that's not good." So mm-hmm. sometimes okay. just kind of elaborating on things can help as well. So. And when you get for lack of a better term, vague encouragement mm. about, you know, emotional problems that are that are plaguing you. Does it help a lot? Does it keep you going for a certain number of hours or days? Or Yeah, would it, you... it does help. Yeah. I mean it's it almost it may seem silly that 140 characters can help much, but it really does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in terms of people that I have met in real life, maybe some friends from South by Southwest who I've met in real life that if someone tweets say, Oh, you could you can get through this, Prince's hugs or asterisk mm-hmm. hugs or something, I can imagine, you know and it's really nice. Sure. Yeah. Have you encountered any kind of cyberbullying or digital harassment of any kind? Because I mean, obviously, there are a lot of other people documenting their transitions, but I'd like to think that you're being particularly public about it. Yeah, there will be the occasional troll on queer chat or trans chat, mm. but they haven't been directed at me personally. And okay. even then, it's been a fairly rare occurrence. I mean, most of what I come across online are things that might be microaggressions that aren't necessarily addressed directed toward me in particular, but just toward trans people. Microaggression? So it, Wikipedia describes this, it says, microaggression is the idea that specific interactions between those of different races, cultures, or genders can be interpreted as non-physical aggression. The term was first coined by American psychiatrist Chester M. Pierce, and described as brief and commonplace daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental indignities, whether intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative racial slights and insults toward people of other races. And so this is this is quite a good example, I thought, because it's something where the author in it was completely not intending this type of slight okay and uh so he he posts an article about some sexism relating to conferences and startups and it's actually a pretty great article overall um the, the title was uh startup dudes cut the sexist crap hmm. i'll just briefly read the opening paragraph and what it said was last week i was speaking on what would have otherwise been a terrific panel the only thing that spoiled it was yet another guy in the tech scene putting forth yet another objectifying slash patronizing treatment of someone with two X chromosomes. Okay. And indeed, this is sort of the unintentional side of microaggressions. Right. The author was simply trying to find a clever way of saying women. Right. But indeed, by doing so, he expressed it in an unknowingly cissexist way that excluded trans women and some intersex people. So Fascinating. Yeah. And in, in due fairness to the author, uh, Dan Shapiro, he 
in the comments of his article, when Puel brought that up, he said, oh, I didn't know that, and he uh-huh. seemed to be understanding of that viewpoint. So, hmm. um, yeah. And there's okay. actually a website that kind of, it's a, it's a Tumblr that goes over various microaggressions that people have come across. It's uh, just microaggressions.com. Okay. And it's the kind of thing that can be infuriating at times, but sometimes it's, ah, uh, it's, it's an interesting read, so. Yeah. I mean, other microaggressions being something like, um, if your, uh, if your teacher needs to move some furniture around the classroom, and if your teacher says, uh, could three or four of you strong boys come help me move some things in the class? Yeah. That would also be a microaggression because it implies that women cannot be strong. Okay. So, parentheses, like, most of my interactions with my parents. Well, at least yeah. regarding trans stuff. But, anyway. When you're getting answers to things you tweet about, you know, like, does this belt go with this skirt? Right. Uh, and you get answers, are you more likely to heavily weight the answers you get from other trans women as opposed to cisgender women? Or vice versa? Or do you think that you treat them equally? I, I generally treat them equally. Part of what I'm, I'm chuckling about is that some of the people I follow... I'm not sure of their gender identity, and which is fine. Okay. So, in some in some cases, I'm not sure if they're trans women or trans men or cisgender women mm. or gender queer. Sure. But have you ever, uh, in the context of a not posing a question, like saying, "Oh, I got this new shirt and I like it," just for example? I don't know that you've ever tweeted that, but. Mm. Uh, that sort of thing have you ever had somebody come back and say oh that's terrible oh that doesn't work at all tuck that in or untuck that or something well you know my nail polish collection that's yeah i have many colors among the one was a sort of neon yellow and i just like i like bright colors in general where it's like like highlighter yellow or a very shiny banana <laughs> okay but uh, yeah anyway so it was a very Bright yellow, and I took a picture of it, and I put it on my milkshake, which is a picture-sharing site, MLK. It brings all the boys to the yard. And I said something like, I think I titled it, like, Daniel the Color. I believe it was Sally Hansen, their HD series. Mm -hmm. And I said something like, Sanity check, does this yellow work for me? Okay. And then... I didn't really hear back from people. And then, like, a, a day or two later, it was actually one of my coworkers who said, I'm not sure if she saw the milkshake. She was just mm-hmm. someone I had interactions with. And she said, you know, I'm not so sure about that yellow. And I said, oh, okay, well, it's good to know. And you were still wearing it at the time? Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because you put it on very carefully, and it, it's meant to last five days or so. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. And so at that point, I thought, you know what? They might be right. Maybe I do look jaundiced or, I don't know, whatever. So then I tweeted something to the effect of, uh, hey, one of my coworkers said that maybe the yellow doesn't work as well. And I think I said something to the extent of, uh, 
If, if, if any of you notice that my decisions are going pear-shaped, please let me know because I'm only 13 in girl years. Right. And so was, there were maybe two or three people who favored that tweet implying agreement. Mm. So mm -hmm. it seemed that they too thought the yellow wasn't very good or at least suitable for me. But I mean, but weren't comfortable actually telling you that at the time. Well, I don't know if it, they didn't want to hurt my feelings or if they mm -hmm. didn't know a way to phrase it or whatever. But for me, I would, if something's, if someone is trying to be helpful in that type of thing, it's as, as long as it's not said in a hurtful way, I'm, I'm very open to that. And hey, those, right. those socks don't suit you or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody has different ideas about what would be offensive or hurtful right. and what they shouldn't respond to. And I guess it's best when, I don't know if this has to change from situation to situation, mm -hmm. but if you meet somebody and you want them to be especially right. blunt, you have to pretty much tell them, hey, by the way, just be blunt with me. Yeah, um, that's true. I think, I think in my case, part of it was that if I just posted the picture of my nails and said, Hey, new nail color. Then I can understand some more hesitation. Right. But I sort of came out with it and said, "I'm not so sure about this nail color. What do you think? Does this work for me?" So, yeah. but nonetheless, you're suggested on, "Hey, be blunt with me." That sounds like yeah. a Carmelin idea. <laughs> or it may depend on the way you ask the questions. Like, I have doubts about this. Does this suck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we? Yeah. So. Speaking of nail colors, and it's totally cool if you prefer a certain kind, mm. but if your overall goal is to pass as female, mm. wouldn't you want to use shades of pink or red? <laughs> because uh, in your average Walmart or CVS or whatever, that's what they're mostly selling. So if I may answer your question with a question, when was the last time you went down the aisles of a Rite Aid or a Walmart to look at the polishes, Jay. Years. Okay. I mean, years ago, in, in your defense, there are of course, pinks and reds, but there, there is really the whole spectrum that there's blues and purples and taupes and uh, azores or is that the right word? That's an, that's a word. Okay. All right. It, it's a kind of blue. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And turquoise. Yeah. But what do they have more of? Well, see, that's the... Uh, what do, and I'm not saying that pink or red is correct or more feminine. I am just interpolating or inferring because there are more pink and red shades that that's what most women are wearing. Well, see, this is sort of the weird part that other women I have interactions with are people my age. Sure. Some of this may be something where Perhaps when they were teenagers or much younger, they would wear nail polish more often. But a lot of the women I interact with find nail polish to be pretty, but something which they find to be uh, too much of a bother to apply all the time. Oh, interesting. So I find that most, if you just surveyed women or whatever, that, that a lot of them at any given point would not necessarily be wearing polish. Okay. But even then, a lot of them may go with, say, lighter colors or more neutral colors. Because mm. of the, this is, of course, based on a very small sample size, but of a lot of the women I've spoken with, they may 
stick with, say, two or three colors, you know, sacre bleu, and then just use those all the time. Okay. Well, here's here's your homework. Uh, next time you go to the mall, if you have a free half hour, mm. uh, sit on one of the benches and just watch the people go by and see if you can't come up with some kind of majority for nail colors. That could, that could be tough, just in the sense that if someone's hand is around her purse or around her boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever... Or well, you, then skip that person. It's all right. Yeah, but even then, if, if someone's 15 feet away, it, it could be hard to differentiate, say, uh, maroon versus a black versus a red. Maybe. It'd be easy to tell the yellows, though. Oh, yeah. Shiny, shiny banana yellow. Right. And it did. Or the azure. I, all right. All right, Einstein. I, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, the, the yellow probably is not very common. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'm not trying to criticize. Yeah. I am really just asking questions. Yeah. Because, like, whatever. I guess if you were a cisgender woman, I wouldn't have ever asked that question. But I know that your goal is to not confuse people. Right. And, and maybe the yellow doesn't serve that purpose. I don't know. Right. Well, and, and the other thing is that most people treat gender as a binary, which I think we've talked about mm -hmm. sort of early in the show. So you sort of want to end up in one bucket or the other bucket, as it were. Mm -hmm. And so there may be certain factors, whether it's your uh, appearance or physique or the clothes you're wearing or your makeup that sort of shift the needle one way or the other. But I think nail polish... Is, is one of those things that would be an overall positive just by virtue of Occam's razor that most people who wear nail polish are women. And you're probably also always carrying a purse when you're in public, which helps. Oh, yes. And wearing makeup and having breasts and... Right. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And shoes and... Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a few minutes left over if you want to teach me something ladylike. Yeah, sure. I love the way that your eyes get big and you smile when I ask that. <laughs> Well, because it's always it's always fun to see your reactions to some of this. Because, well, I I tweeted the other day that my tweet was, "Do men at all wear makeup for their wedding, even a little bit?" I feel sad for them mm. if they're missing out on that. Or am I projecting? My wedding was the first time I had a manicure. I think I've had two total. Yeah, in my I remember life. that. I was at your wedding. And um. I didn't wear any makeup on my face, but I easily could have if I had a blemish or something. Yeah. I just find that, for instance, when I'm, when it's in the first thing in the morning and I get out of the shower and I'm about to put my makeup on, I just look at my face and think, wait, that's what I look like? <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, not that it's, not that it's spectacularly different. Mm -hmm. It's just imperfect. In the sense that makeup really helps. Yeah. You could have yep. a myriad of skin variances or anomalies and it's like Photoshop for your face. I never bought the book, but there was a book for sale and it probably still is called Women Before 10 a.m. And it's a bunch of celebrities without their makeup on and without their hair done. Mm. I thought that would be just a fascinating thing to have on your coffee table. Not that I can have a book on my coffee table because my dogs will eat it. But I always find those fascinating, like the uh, thing that Jamie Lee Curtis did where she, you know, did a pose mm. for a magazine and then did the same thing and, you know, insisted that they both be printed, right. touched and untouched. 
or or my favorite. I really enjoy when that happens. My my favorite very variation on that theme is uh, the smoking gun, <laughs> and the various oh. smoke shots of like uh, Heather Locklear after her I don't know DUI or something, and hmm. so she's kind of like halfway drunk and her hair is all like and she has no makeup that is, on. And... That is kind of fun from a shot and for a point of view, yeah. but uh, I like it better when they go into it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So what would you like to teach me? Oh, right. Oh, so to finish my, my thought from earlier, though, as far as the makeup thing, was just that you've, this is all brand new to you, so it's Mostly, always fun yeah. to see your reactions to stuff like, oh, that is neato, or whatever. Uh -huh. What a novel use for a marshmallow. Yeah. That never happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just making a joke. Right. So we had talked about gun swabs on an earlier show. Yeah, my favorite being the Johnson's con swabs. Mm -hmm. So I was running low on my supply of con swabs, and I went to Walmart to go buy some more because that was one of the few stores where I've seen them for sale. Since okay. most stores would have just Q-tips and store brand, of which store brand being right. So I went to Walmart, and I went to the Q-tip aisle or whatever. <laughs> And unfortunately, what do you know? They have Q-tips and Walmart brand, but no Johnsons. Uh-oh. So sad, Ashley, is sad. So I thought, okay, well, maybe maybe the Walmart brand is like Johnsons. So I, I, I bought a box of those. Okay. Nope, they're rubbish. Uh-oh. So it's like my supplier's been cut off or something. But... Then, happiness ensues. Okay. So, I was looking around at Target, and I found a potential replacement. Well, so I don't know if this is showing up at all, but this is a... It's the up and up kind. Yeah. And so, I actually found this in the baby aisle, so I don't... Is that a cylinder package? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So and they're all different colors, I guess? It's got them all, like, packed in there like ammunition or something. I don't know. <laughs> but... So, yes, this is up and up, and it was happened to be in the baby aisle, though. Oh, it does say soft for babies, delicate skin, so I guess they are baby-specific. So, they look a little shorter, but other than that, yeah. Hmm. So, what I was unsure about, of course, is whether these would be any good. And one of the deciding bits is just that, well, how dense is the, the con swap? Because that's one of the major mm -hmm. differences that with Q-tips... And are there any little flyaways? Yeah, the, the, the con is very loosely packed, and so that, I mean, naturally you wet it first under the faucet if you're going to be, like, getting out mm -hmm. eyeliner or something. But then it just turns into this, like, oozy blob of cotton that is just, like... Gross. Yeah, no good. But these are super! They work great! Oh, good. Yeah. Good. The, the only downside, though, is that... I couldn't, I had a hard time getting them out oh. and following the first adage of making your nail polish last, namely, don't use your nails as tools. Uh -huh. I ended up using one of my... Uh, tweezers? Yeah, tweezers. That was going to be my suggestion. Right. But so the trick with tweezers, though, these are, this is an old set of tweezers. This is not my tweezerman fancy kind. Okay. Because one of the things with tweezers is that it is sort of sharpened at the end to some extent, and that can become mm -hmm. dull if you just throw it into a drawer or whatever. So okay. Be careful of that. As mm. well, they mentioned that it's meant to be used for tweezery type stuff on your plucking, whatever. But so just 
you know, crassly shoving into the, the cotton swab thing and yanking out. If these are my good tweezers that might, I don't know, misalign the blades or something, but these are just, you know, old chunky okay. tweezers. To be fair, if you're using your tweezers for a non-tweezery purpose, I imagine cotton would be the least offensive substance to put them on top of. Uh, that is probably true. Uh, <laughs> I'll give that. Yeah, that's probably true. Maybe yeah. silk. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, these have been pretty good. I was, it, it was, um, you really shouldn't make a girl's day to find some cotton swabs, but this is pretty great. <laughs> up and up cotton swab for babies? Well, it doesn't say for babies. It just says... I mean, it's up and up, 300 cotton swabs, and it says cotton swabs in big letters. In, in smaller, much smaller print, it says 100% cotton tips, soft for baby's mm -hmm. delicate skin, pastel colored plastic sticks. And, this, and the sticks are all different colors, looks like? Yeah, so they're like pink ones and blue ones and yellow ones and white ones. Oh, good. So, I have another job then. This is also a returning contender. Ooh. Well, or whatever. Yeah, anyway, like Mike Tyson. It's, it's okay. these guys. I don't know if these are showing up at all. Mm, these are the... I see it. Uh, wedges. Yes. Yeah. Makeup wedges. And so these are actually they're still you know fine as they've always been. Mm -hmm. uh, as as far as for smoothing your foundation, the you know. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. Hey, that's a different song. Sorry, I'll try to transcribe the two <laughs> next time. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. So, but I have found a secondary use for these guys. Okay. And this is actually from reading through one of my makeup books. That's right, one of my makeup books. <laughs> in in one of my makeup books, they were talking about powder, which you apply after foundation. And... There may be cases this may depend on your foundation or your powder or heck maybe the humidity hmm. for all I know, but <laughs> where your powder seems may seem to sit on top of your foundation and not look quite blended properly. Okay. That's one of the things you can use these sponges for. Hmm. And sort of the, the way they described it was press and, and roll. Press and roll. So okay. you just do sort of like press and then go. All right. It's the kind of thing where it's it's a it's a friggin' sponge, so you can't over-pressurize your skin or whatever, but this can help press in your powder into your foundation to fully blend that better. Okay, you're not actually smudging it around. Well... You're not dragging the sponge, the, not the wedge. Not for the powder part. For the foundation, okay. you would kind of just kind of have brief strokes to drag that. Okay. But then for Neat. the uh, powder, then that would be like the press and roll. All right. And, roll. and so naturally, these jobbies, okay, it it has like... What does that do? Does that pick up the powder? No, That was extra, um, or does it... It'll basically help it be absorbed into the foundation and, and blend into it. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if, there, if you had applied excess powder, it might pick up some of that, but yeah. Okay. And so... These wedges being a triangle, they've got two big sides to them, and so this doesn't require an extra sponge. You can do your foundation and then the beep, 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 to smooth that out, and then when you get to the part of your powder, you can just flip the sponge over and then do the press and roll part if you have to need that kind of right. thing. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Well, thanks, Ashley. That was all fantastic. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jay. Yeah. Okay. I guess we'll talk again soon. That sounds awesome. Bye. Bye.
Bye. Bye. <laughs>